want to get in the word today. Um, this is a subject that's been burning in my heart, uh, really, the whole time I've been in California. It's a subject, as a pastor, I see Christians, you know, and we live in a world where we, we preach the word of God. So, so many people, when you sit under the word, you come to church and you hear truth. And that truth will continue to resound after you leave church. And these scriptures will be there. But I'm telling you, Satan will meet you at the door with all that you got like today. After church, as soon as church is out, Satan's going to meet you at the door and start telling you all the stuff you got to get done today to get ready for tomorrow and, and the things in your life and all this other stuff. And it's for the purpose of distracting Christians. And it's not the hearer of the word that's blessed. The Bible says that the hearer only is, deceives themselves. In other words, they think they're doing the word, but they're not. They think they know the word. Why? Well, because, man, I could finish every scripture, pastor, you know, when he started, hey, turn to Mark 11, and it's like, you look right at verse 22, right? And you could finish verse 22, verse 23, verse 24, all this stuff, you could just, you could quote it, but that doesn't mean that you're doing it. And so we have Christians that get in a battle and how many of us will be in a battle? Listen, if you're not in a battle now, you're going get to get in one. But here's the deal. The battle's not yours. And the battle's already been won by Jesus. So the victory is yours. But it won't feel like it. It won't look like it. Right? So what happens is Satan has no power to steal, kill, and destroy. But he looks around seeking whom he can devour, right? There's a satanic hierarchy set against you. And what they will do is they will use people, circumstances. They know everything that's ever messed you up, everything that's ever messed your dad, your mom, your grandmother, your grandfather, your great, 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 great. They know all that stuff. They've been throwing some different thoughts at you since you were about four years old, trying to just build a detrimental thought process. Why? They're seeking if they can devour you, if they can steal, kill, and destroy. They don't have authority to do it, but what do they do? They throw thoughts. They create circumstances. We live in a world system. The whole system is designed to steal, kill, and destroy right? So it's designed to create, create an environment for fear so that it's hard to believe. And so Satan will do that. And then all of a sudden they will look at your countenance. They're watching you. They're listening to what you're saying to see if they can steal, kill, and destroy. But I'm here to tell you today that inside of you, when you got born again, there is a well. We call it salvation's well, the well of salvation. And the question is whether or not you're going to draw out of the well of salvation all that Jesus has provided for you. Amen. So a Christian 
can die of sickness and disease with healing in their well. A Christian can be beaten down and not fulfill God's plan for your life because of money your whole life when all of the money and everything is in the well. So it's important that we draw from the well. See, we don't receive from God. Now, this will sound a little weird. We don't receive from God based on what he's given us. We receive from God based on our ability to draw out of the well what he's given us. Because it's all in the well. Okay? So let's talk about this today. Because I'm telling you, God wants you to lay hold of everything. The predominant thought in any kind of a church that preaches the word is, the predominant thought, if you're not drawing from the well on a regular basis, is, I know the word says this, but I just, I, I really don't believe that it's for me. Now, people would say, no, I'll fight you on that. No, I know the word is true. Yeah, you know the word is true, but do you know the word is true for you? Do you know that the symptoms in your body, no matter how long they've been there, no matter what they look like, no matter what anybody says, do you really believe that they have no legal right in your body that Jesus actually bore them and you don't have to and they have to leave your body? Do you really believe that? There's a way to really believe all this. You got to draw from the well. Amen? So turn to John chapter 4. John chapter 4, because we're going to talk about a story about a well. This story happened at a well. It was around a well. It was between Jesus and a Samaritan woman. So John chapter 4, verse 5. You guys doing okay? Did you realize church, so... The, the time that I preached last week in California didn't count, so the doors are locked, okay? You can go to the bathroom, but you can't. This is going to be an all-afternoon deal. Sorry, you football fans, right? No, I'm just teasing. Yeah, I know a lot of you guys would be like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it right now, right? <laughs> I love the hunger level of our church. John chapter 4, verse 5. Then cometh he, talking about Jesus, to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well. And it was about the sixth hour. So he, he's at this well, he's tired, been walking all morning, and now it's noon, Okay. There comes a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then said the woman of Samaria to, unto him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? Now we read that like it's no big deal. But she would have said this to Jesus really sarcastically, okay? Because Jews considered Samaritans dogs, unclean. Samaritans hated Jews. 
So it would have been like, you know, how is it that you, being a Jew, I mean, she was probably mocking Jesus, right? For the Jews have no dealing with the Samaritans. In other words, there was bitterness and there was prejudice towards Jesus right now, okay? There was what we would call racial tension. She was not in a position to receive anything from God because of this, right? You can see this prejudice in the woman of Samaria. There was a conflict between them, right? The gender, the color, the race, and the background of an individual does not define what type of person they are, right? Always remember that. That's why, see, we're Christians. We just love. We love culture. We love race. We don't look at a person's background to decide whether or not they're a good person or not. Okay? I mean, I knew a guy when I was in my early 20s, when I was 21, he was about 28 years old, and he was, he was the, uh, pastoring about 120 people in the Mexican state prison. He had killed eight people, and I had never seen the love of God in such great magnitude coming out of a person. Because it doesn't matter your background. Do you realize we're a people with no background? Isn't that amazing? Wow. What does God think of race, color, gender? What does he think about it? Romans tells us exactly what he thinks about it. There is no difference. But God is great to all those that call upon him. Right? He's looking for people. He's looking for faith so that they can receive from him. Do you want to walk free from prejudice? Here's how you do it. Walking in the spirit will cause you to walk free from prejudice. And so you might be sitting here today going, I have none of that in me. Did you notice I said the word background? Do you have somebody that in their background, they really hurt you? You want to walk free from that? Walk in the spirit. Right? You got to to draw from the well. So verse 10, Jesus answered and said unto her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, give me to drink, you would have asked him of him and he would have given you living water. Now Jesus is referencing salvation. See, This is a story, it has a multiple application here. Do you know it's not by chance that this is one of the stories that's in the Bible? Because God wants you to draw from your well. In your well is everything you'll need in this life, right? The woman says to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Here's the thing. Deep water is inaccessible. 
right? It, it's not, or I should say it this way, it's not easily accessible. Jesus didn't have anything to draw with. Do you know a person could die of thirst by a well of water? There could be water in the well, but if, they, if you have nothing to draw it with and it's way down deep, you could sit there and die of thirst. You can die of sickness and disease with a well of healing in you. You can die of, of depression, anxiety, fear, torment, all of these things with the peace of God in your well. That's why this story is in the Bible. So, from where then have you this living water? Verse 12 are you greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, and this is what I want you to see, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him shall be in him. Now it's talking about salvation. The water that God gave us shall be in us a well of water springing up into everlasting life. Do you know there is a thirst in every person? Every person who doesn't know God, there is a thirst for God in them. They might not know it, they probably don't know it. They might think that's the last thing they ever want to hear. For the Christian, we have the well, but if we're not drawing from it, there will be inner turmoil because we're trying to live apart from him when we're in him. So this is talking about the Holy Spirit's work in salvation. Do you realize this? All that he has... All that he knows, all that he is, is in you right now. Isn't that amazing? You don't have to go anywhere. You have everything in you because he's in you. That's why John 17, 3 says, this is eternal life, to know the one true God and to know his son whom he sent. That's why Paul said, listen, my determined purpose is to know him. That, that, is, that is my whole life. Do you know there's only one thing that'll satisfy you? Him. And he's in you. I love that. So there's an unlimited reservoir in you right now as a child of God. And listen, if you have never committed your life to Christ and invited him in to be your Lord, you'll have an opportunity to do that today. And you could have this well put in you. He'll put a brand new spirit in you. He'll take up residency in your heart. And you'll have a well where everything you need in life is all laid out because the God of heaven, even though you might not be his child right now, he has a plan for your life. And it's so that you can walk out every desire of your heart. But for us as Christians, there's an unlimited reservoir of the knowledge of God in us, the wisdom of God, the very understanding of God. It's in us. The life of God, the joy of the Lord, 
the peace of God, the very strength of God. Do you realize the plan of God for your life is in you right now? Your future is not in front of you, it's within you. Do you have a strong desire? If you're in the word and you have him first and you're walking with him and there's a desire that you have in your life, the enemy will try to talk you out of it. He'll yell and scream. Look at your natural circumstances. There is no way that this is going to happen. Rejoice. He's a liar. Amen. Because it's in you. Yes. Thank you Jesus. Right? Satan always has a carrot. And he always tries to let you believe that you'll never get it. When you already have it. If you're single, he will tell you there's no way that you're ever going to be able to meet the person that, that would really be the right person for you. There's just no way. Look around, right? If you're married, he'll tell you, listen, there is no way you're ever going to have a good marriage. If you have children, he'll, he'll, he'll literally show you how there is no way that your children are going to serve God and live for God. There's just no way. All of it's lies. Amen. See, this is compared to a well of living water. So we must know what it is. We got to know that there's a well in us. We also have to know how to draw it out. And the Bible is very clear on how to draw it out. This is why this entertainment Christianity, this feel-good stuff, this, this teaching that leads you to believe that you can live any way you want to live and, and be a Christian, and, and, and you can't. You can't draw from the well. Right? We have Christians that knowingly Know what this says. I'm to walk in forgiveness. I'm to keep myself sexually pure. I'm to do the, you know, I'm to honor God in every area of my life. And they just don't think anything about it. I'm a Christian when I go to church. And when, I, when I'm not at church, I'm, I live a different way. Right? You know, I want to have sex outside of marriage and I'm just, I just want to. Okay. But you won't be able to be a Christian. Now, will you be able to be a believer? Yeah, oh yeah, you can be saved. See, we got this whole thing messed up. Do you know the early church, a believer was somebody who made a decision to commit their life to Christ. Okay? But then, as they walked and followed Jesus, putting his word first and followed him, they were called a disciple of Christ. A follower of Christ. There's a lot of believers that are not followers of Christ. But then, if that person started manifesting out of their life fruit, they would be called a Christian. Christ-like. What do we do? We hang a big gold cross around our neck and go, yeah, I'm a believer. Or, or I, I wear a tattoo that has a scripture on it or a little, you know, I heard, saw one minister, he had a little cross and, and he thought that was really cool because he was older and he was trying to be really cool. That doesn't mean anything. Where's the fruit? See, we got it backwards in this society. So why am I saying that? Don't look at another person to decide because this is what you do. I know all about this because this is what all of us do. 
We'll look at a person and go, well, you know, I'm going to stay away from that Pastor Dave guy because he makes me feel like I need, right? It connects. He's living for the Lord and I'm not at all. But then if I ever hear he messed up, oh, you know, I just, I feel bad for him, but boy, I just, I just feel good about myself now because, you know, or, or, or this person over here, you know, I'll, I'll go over here and hang out here. I don't like to go to that church because I, I kind of, they're a little bit too intense for me. I need to go over here where I could be spiritually mature, Right? You know, I don't, I, I'm a basketball player, and I know, you know, there's Monroe Park in Decatur, Illinois, and, but I'm not going to go to Monroe Park, because that's the number one basketball park in the city. I'm going to go over here, I'm going to go to this area where there's no, there's just a bunch of guys that really don't play, because I could just dominate there. Well, you won't get, you won't really develop, right? Why am I saying all that? To grow spiritually you have to look at Jesus. As a believer, you might be sitting there going, man, I've been believing God for finances for 30 years and it's never happened for me. I would have to say, no, you haven't. Now, you might have gotten in faith at a time, but then you let it go. You might have even picked it up. Thank God. Pick it up. It's yours. And every time you decide to pick it up, all of heaven is behind you picking it up because he never gets down on you, right? But you've never met anybody who's ever gotten in faith and stayed in faith that you didn't see what they were believing God for in their life. So if you have sickness in your body today, the reality of it is, it is God's will that that leave your body and that your body amend supernaturally. Your financial life is to increase to an overflowing supply, more than enough for what you need, plenty to honor and honor God and, and sow into other people's lives. That's been given to you. It's in the well. Amen. Your seed as a child of God, your children and your children's children are to be mighty in the earth. They are to be taught of the Lord, and great is to be their peace. Don't care what the circumstances are, because if I get in faith and stay in faith, God will work, because I've just invited him in, and he will turn it. Yeah, but pastor, I really messed up as a parent. Don't ma doesn't matter. Stop messing up. Yeah, but my kids are grown. Pray. I don't care where they are. Invite God into their life. Right? Have you ever sat around, you, you go to Thanksgiving, you go visit or something, and you don't want to bring up the God thing because they're like, listen, I don't want to hear it. Just smile. Okay, that's fine. And then you walk away going, oh, you're going to hear it. <laughs> Father, right now I plead the blood over them. Bring laborers all over their life to tell them. I mean, when they start their car, let their engine sound like Jesus loves you. I mean, you know, he'll do everything, right? I remember one time I was street witnessing, and I told the person, because they, they, they just kind of, you know, I, when, I, when I would go street witnessing, if I ever hit a red light, I'm out. I'm like, okay, well, listen, have a great day. But sometime, man, you would find this person that would get mad at you. And you're like, no, 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 okay, I, I'm done. No, no, let me, let me ask you a question. Well, after a while, you, you know, well, that person's really been convicted. 
right? And I remember one time I said, listen, I'm not here to argue with you. God loves you and has a great plan for your life. And I'm going to leave, and I will not, two minutes from now, I won't even be thinking about you anymore. But for the two minutes when I leave, I'm going to pray, and you will never forget what I've said to you. And, and how? Because I'm going to pray, and God's going to bring other people. Everywhere you go, you're going to hear this message. Have a great life. See you later. Right? And then I walk away. Father, I just pray that you... And they see my lips. The word is true, people. It's true. It is such an honor to know God. And you know him. So for some of us, starting with me, I'm on the top at Faith Family Church of the list of people that need to get over themselves. Right? I mean, the Lord tells me that. Every time I start moving in a wrong direction in my thought life or in my work, it, I mean, a mountain of scripture comes out and it all sounds the same. It is written, get over yourself. I'm like, yeah, I know. Right? He's so good. There is a well of life in you as a child of God. So go to Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55 Verse 1. Now, this is not a Christmas verse, even though it starts out with ho. I know Pastor Teresa is getting excited. Ho, 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 right? Ho, everyone that thirsts, come ye to the waters. Are you thirsty this morning? He that has no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Freely I have received, that's why I freely give, right? Are you thirsty? If you're a child of God, all you got to do is draw from the well. You've got a well of life in you. So now let's go to Revelation 22. Revelation 22, look at the end of the book, verse 17. Look at what it says at the end of the book of Revelation. This is the last recorded statement, or one of the last recorded statements of our Lord. He spoke it on the island of Patmos. It says, and the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him that hears. Notice, how do you draw? you got to say something. The spirit and the bride say, come. And of course, we have to hold fast to the profession of our faith. We have to say what God says. So that's why it says, and let him that hears say, come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. See, this story about the woman at Samaria, this story actually happened. There was an actual woman of Samaria. There's Jacob's well, all of this stuff. It actually happened. But there's also a spiritual application to this story. Jesus was thirsty 
but he had no container to draw water out. The water that springs up in salvation causes a person to never thirst again. Are you thirsty today? If you are, then you're not drinking from the well. You don't need, you don't need to run around and talk about your problems. You need to drink from the well. Because when you drink from the well of salvation, that is the only thing on the planet that will satisfy that thirst. So many Christians live with this inner turmoil because there's just something not right and they're trying to fill it with whatever they can, but only drinking from the well will take care of the thirst. There's so much stuff in the world. What it does is it covers up the thirst for just a little while. But the thirst never goes away. Right? The whole story is around a well, and it's about a well. So now let's look into this. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 20 in verse 5. You guys doing okay? Man, it is so good to be back home. Wow. Proverbs 20, verse 5. It says this. It says, counsel... This Hebrew word counsel literally means advice, it means plans, it means purposes. Counsel, advice, plans, purposes in the heart of man is like deep water. But a man of understanding, this, mean a ma- this, means, this Hebrew word means a man of insight and a man of discernment. In other words, a man that sees something or a man, New Testament believer, a man that is walking in revelation knowledge of God's word will draw it out. The plans and purposes that God has for you are like deep waters. But man, if you could ever get revelation of what he has given you, that will give you the ability to draw that out into your life. Out of deep waters, there is counsel. See, so many people are trying to figure out God's will for their life by their feelings and by their emotions, by their fears, right? By their blind spots, by ignoring things, and it doesn't work that way. Counsel is in the deep waters, Listen, when you delight yourself in the Lord, Psalm 37, verse 4, if you'll take the time to learn how to delight yourself in the Lord, to learn how to make him the source of your joy, pleasure, and satisfaction, he is able to give you the desires of your heart. Those are expressions of his will for your life. It becomes really clear, really clear. To draw counsel... Out of the well, you must be a man of understanding. In other words, you must be a man that meditates in the word of God so that the word can open up, so that the Holy Spirit can bring revelation, so that you can see it, so that you can draw it out. See, the Holy Spirit's work in salvation, if you look at the New Testament, 
it always describes salvation as a well. Okay? It always describes it as a well. We just, we just looked at a scripture. A well is for you. You draw it out. Now, it will affect others, but you draw out of the well to give yourself a drink. And out of the overflow of that drink is all the ministry and everything that God will have you do in life. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is another event subsequent to salvation, is where the Holy Spirit, it always says it, was when he comes upon you. When you got saved, he came within you, and it's like a well. But now, do you want to be empowered to be a witness and to walk, walk like Jesus? You need the baptism of the Holy Spirit where he comes upon you, right? There's so many scriptures that, that talk about that. We're not going to do, do a sermon on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'll just read one, one scripture here. It says, John chapter 7 in verse 37 through 39, it says, In the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believes on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Every time it's salvation, it always talks about salvation as a well. Here's the other thing. It talks about the baptism. It's always rivers. The well is for you, the rivers are for others. Amen. Okay? Well, now, wait a minute, Pastor. It's saying he's, drawn, he's drawing this out. Come to me and drink. That sounds a lot like Samaria, right? Jacob's well. Well, let's keep reading. It says here, verse 39, But this spake he of the Spirit, which when they that believe on him should receive. See, they hadn't received yet. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. But that's why when Jesus came out of the grave, he said, guys, don't go do anything. He, he breathed on them, they got saved. He said, receive the Holy Spirit, and they got saved. But then he said, now listen, now you're born again, but don't go anywhere except Jerusalem until you be endued where the Holy Spirit comes upon you with power. Because you need the river. So you need the well, but you need the rivers. Right? Without the rivers, how in the world are you going to be able to stand before Jesus someday, yielding all of your fruit in your season, to hear him say, well done? Ouch, says the person who goes, well, I just don't believe in that Holy Spirit stuff. Okay, be careful talking bad about like that, about the Holy Spirit. You know, but, but second of all, just forget about all that. Just get in the book and find out what the Bible says about it, right? So, let's keep going. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We're going to look at verse 9. We're just going to kind of read kind of through verse 12 here. Now, this scripture in verse 9, Paul, writing this under the unction of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit breathed this, he's going to quote Isaiah 64.4. Whenever you say, whenever you see in the Bible, but as it is written, now he's, after that statement, he's now quoting an Old Testament scripture. And this one is Isaiah 64.4. 
But as it is written, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man. Now that is the word cardia. You probably have heard that word before, right? Everybody who was in that service would be thinking right now, G2588, <laughs> right? It's not, but, and the word cardia, it literally means the heart, the center. It talks about the seat of your emotions and your will. It literally is talking not just about the spirit, predominantly about your mind. In other words, you could read it like this. Neither have entered into the mind of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. So trying to find his plan, which here's the thing. His plan is the only thing that's going to satisfy you. Why? Because he made the plan for you. Every talent, every gift, all the grace, all of the things in your heart, the things that really turn you on, God made that plan for your life. Verse 10, but God, so, so first of all, you can't see it, you can't hear it, you, the plan of God's never entered, it's not even entered your mind, the incredible things that God has for you. But look at this, don't stop there, because if you stop there, you're going to walk around like a lot of the church going, well, you just never know. No, 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 look at, look at the next verse. But God hath revealed them unto us. What? What them? The things that God has prepared for you. He's revealed them unto us by his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. See, we know God on the inside. I don't know him by my emotions. Now, knowing him is great emotions. I mean, you'll see me every service up here. I, I shut my eyes and I am, I, I'm, I'm in the presence of the Lord. A lot of times I'm crying, I'm speaking in tongues. I, why? Because it's an honor to come here and I'm passionately pursuing him. Because yeah. I've learned that he's the only thing that can satisfy. Yeah, that's right. And I know a lot of you know that. God writes his word on your heart as you walk with him. Let me say it another way. He writes his word on your mind as you walk with him. Your tongue is the pen of a ready writer. The Holy Spirit will reveal and etch God's plan for your life through his word on your spirit your spirit will take that and change that into a thought and communicate it and start writing it on your mind. That's why when, when, you, when you gain revelation, that's why the only thing that'll take you from being a hearer to being a doer is you gotta speak. You gotta meditate in the word of God. And as the word opens up in your spirit and your spirit sees it, and now your spirit's developing and now your spirit is communicating that to your mind. Don't walk around with your mouth shut. You walk around, what, what do I say? Just quote the scripture. Because in the scripture will be everything. In the written word is the revealed word for your life. Right? You got to think about that one. Verse 11, for what man knows the things of a man save the spirit of man which is in him? 
Even so, the things of God knows no man but the Spirit of God. See, the Holy Spirit that is in you knows everything. He is God. Right? And you know what? He's there for one purpose, to lead and guide you into all the truth. It's why he's in you. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know, know the things that are freely given to us by God. So let's look at this for a second. He gave us the Holy Spirit that we might know the things he gave us. The word know in the Greek, it's, it's, it's kind of a cool word. It's, it's I do right? That was one of the greatest statements in my life. December 30th, 1989, I had this pastor of mine look at me and go, do you take this woman? And I'm like, oh yes, I do. (laughs) Right? Well, this word I do in the Greek means to see, to perceive, and to know. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but we have received the spirit which is of God that we might see and perceive and know the things that are freely given to us. See, you got to see that you've been given healing. You have to see that you've been given an abundant supply, that the blessing of Abraham that's in your life will bring you financially into a full and overflowing supply. You have to see that the peace of God, the joy of the Lord, all of these things that he's placed within you, you have to see that that is your truth. When you see that the joy of the Lord is in you, you see it. How do you see it? By the answer of your mouth then you'll know the strength of God because the joy of the Lord is our strength. It's how we walk this out. So the Holy Spirit will lead and guide you into all the things that God has freely given you. That's why we can't walk out anybody else's salvation. Right? I mean, I can tell you I could definitely tell you some things on how to live, and this is what I'm doing today, but specifically what you're to do, you got to answer that question, right? Most Christians, they live their life, I, I really want to do this. And what they should say is, my flesh really wants to do this, so pastor, could you please, I mean, I've had women in my office that would almost beg me, can you please tell me it's okay for me to leave my husband, right? Please tell me I can do this and I can't. Don't, don't live like that. I just, I just want to do this and I'm not willing, I'm not willing Putting you above God, you can't draw from the well. It's no way to live. Most Christians know very little of what has been given to them, who they are in Christ, the authority that they've been given. That's why we teach on these things. Most prayers are asking God to do for them what he's already done. See, you gotta find out 
what's been given to you, right? Ephesians 1.3 says he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. For 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, look at this. It says, according as his divine power hath, past tense, this is already yours, given unto you all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Wow. Do you know you've been given everything you need to pertaining to the Zoe life of God and to godliness? Eusebia is this godliness word. It literally means a reverence and a respect for God that is shown in devotion and holiness. Do you know you've been given everything that's on the inside of you for you to walk holy and in reverence before God? When we were coming back, I don't, I don't think I even pointed this out to you. This young man was sitting in the back and I felt so sorry for him. He's this young guy, totally looked like a basketball player, probably 6'8", six, 6'9", six, and, and, and I'm thinking, how in the world is he even going to fit not in a first-class seat, right? And he's coming back and he has this, I love this, he had this uh, sweatshirt on. He said, it says essential, big words, and then underneath it, fear of God. Yes. And I'm thinking, young man, boy, if you see what you're wearing, that'll change your life forever. Yes. Because the fear of God is the reverence and the honor and respect above everything else. It'll cause you to live holy. Yes. It'll cause you to walk free. It'll cause you to punch your flesh in the face. And never speak against what the word of God says. Never say that you can't have what God says he's given you. Rever You've been given that. Everything that pertains to life and everything that pertains to you walking with God has been all given to you. But look at this. How, did, how was it given to you? It was given to you through the knowledge. That means the full discernment of him that has called us to glory and virtue. Do you mean to tell me, Pastor, that I can see everything pertaining to life and godliness as I gain knowledge of Jesus? Yes. Another way to say that is I could gain everything I need for my life all I have to do, forget about figuring out what you're supposed to do, forget about how am I going to get married, forget about how am I going to get rid of my husband or wife, forget about uh, how's this going to work out, forget about all that stuff and focus on one thing. You mean, Pastor, I could live my whole life just focused on knowing God? Yes. And in that, you will grab hold of and walk in everything pertaining to your life. That's, see, that is the game. And Satan does not want you to know that. Right? People spend so much time. Oh, I just got to find a church. You know, I, I just got to get in the right place. I got to get in the right place. What they don't hear is all the other words. I'm not willing to leave here because maybe for some reason, you know, I know that they don't really teach the word. I know I don't really feel like I'm here, but, 
you know, I'm doing so much that I just, if I leave, the whole thing's going to cave. Yeah, no, that's, that, that, sorry. If it caves, it, that means that that wasn't a work of God. Right? If you really want to know how, how much something that God created is going to cave if you leave, just get a bucket of water. Stick your hand in it and pull it out. And the indention that's left is how it's going is, to, is what's going to hurt that church. No, 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 God will just bring something, somebody else. Got to get in your place. People are in wrong places, but, but they, they stay flesh-ruled so they don't want to get out of it. And they're living a lower life instead of just telling your flesh, listen, I'm following God. I don't care what it feels like. I don't care how much my flesh... I don't, I just, right? I'm honoring God. I'm doing this thing. You will have to come to that place because when you come to that place, all of a sudden, you're going to see on the inside of you, I have a vessel to draw from the well. It's called faith. See, so many believers, they have trouble because there's no confidence with God because they know they're just kind of doing their own thing. You know, sometimes that's why people can't stay here. Because every service they come and the Holy Spirit so graciously starts dealing with that one area. And they don't want to deal with that area. Do we get down on them? How can we? Have you ever had an area that you just kind of ignored for 10, 20, 30 years, you know, or more? Yeah. Yeah. So we know how that is. is can anybody testify how wonderful that is in their life, though? No, that, it stinks. Can we say this in church? It sucks. It will suck the Zoe life right back down in the well, so you can't... But it's still there, Right? I hope this is helping you. You must draw it out. You must make a demand for what's in the well. You must draw it up. You must draw it out. You must lay hold of it in this natural physical realm. Just like I said earlier, just because it's given to you doesn't mean that you're going to experience it and enjoy it. You have to grab hold and draw it out, right? Why, why is it that way? Because God can't violate your will. He literally, I mean, if you look at God, he loved everybody so much that literally he sent his son Jesus to die for all their sins, once and for all condemned them all, but he still, he can't force people. He can't, he hates, like, when I hear, well, God's sovereign and he's just, you know, everything that's going on in the world must be part of his plan. No. Human trafficking is not his plan. Rape, murder, all this stuff, not his plan. That's why when Jesus, when this thing is legally over and he has a legal right, listen, the next time he's not going to come as a lamb. That sky's going to roll back and they're going to see a side of Jesus, good feeling gone. We're, we're going to be like, 
We're going to be behind him on horses looking at the vesture dipped in blood, looking and going, I am so thankful that I'm not seeing that side of him against me. Right? Because he's going to come and take care of it. But right now, God's not holding man's sins against them. He's given man an opportunity to know him, to be forgiven. It's not God's fault that we're not experiencing and enjoying his blessings. We must draw from the well, and he will help us. That's why Isaiah 119 said, listen, if you would just be willing and obedient, you will eat the best that the land can provide, right? It is so true. The Holy Ghost is able to help some people more than others. He wants to help everybody. Some have learned how to depend on him, and some have learned how to draw from him, and others haven't. But if they want to learn, if they want to learn, he will help them. He will help them. So real quick, I want to I tell a story about the prodigal son. I want to read this, really, just a few scriptures about it. I'm not going to go into the whole story. But you have to see something because this older brother didn't draw from the well. So Luke chapter 15, this story runs from verse 11 to verse 32, okay? We're, not, we're just going to highlight a couple verses here. Luke chapter 15, let's look at verse 12. The younger of them, so there's an older brother, there's a younger brother. Think of it like this. The father would represent God. The younger brother would represent a believer that's a child of God that's just a younger guy, okay? And then he has an older brother. This is, this is an older child of God that has been around, been in the church forever, okay? And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. And the father did what? He divided unto him. Does your Bible say him? It says he divided unto them. So the younger brother came for his inheritance early. Dad, I don't want to, I don't want to wait until you die. Give me my portion now. So the father gave the portion to them. To who would them be? The younger one? And he gave it to the older one. Okay? He's a good dad, El Shaddad, right? Amen. And he divided unto them his living. So now jump down to verse 17. So between verse 12 and verse 17, those five verses really didn't work out very good for that young man. He went out and he had all these friends, friends, right, that would love to spend all his money and go drinking and carousing and all this stuff. But the world being the world, he's out there doing his own thing. Have you ever been out there doing your own thing? And it costs you. And he finds himself literally working for somebody. He's a, he's a Jew, and he's feeding pigs, which are unclean. That's about as low as you can get. And he was so hungry, and he had no money. Because, see, those kind of friends, when the money runs out, the friendship runs out. 
And so now he's, he's literally considering eating pig slop, and he comes to himself. Look at this. Now, he's still a child of God. Isn't that amazing? He's a child... In the story, it's a parable. So this is a spiritual truth. So this would be like a child of Almighty God, you and I, could get to the point where we're eating slop. But look at this. At least he came to himself. He said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough and to spare? And I perish with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say unto him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before thee. Okay? Now jump down for time's sake to verse 20. And he arose and came to his father. So now, he see what he's doing, he's coming to his father and he's thinking, I'm just going to say I've sinned against you. Just let me be your servant. But it doesn't work that way. Because this young guy's behavior did not change who he was. In the same way that your behavior never will change who you are. And will never dictate what you receive from your father. Right? So when he came to himself, he said all this. He says, Father, I'm going to go to my father. Say, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. Verse 20. And he arose and he came to his father. But when he, the young man, was afar off, right? Look at this. He was yet a great way off. His father saw him. In other words, his father had spent every day that his son was gone looking for him to return. People sit here and go, I've just messed up too bad. And Satan will go, yeah, God, God's done with you. No, he's not. He's looking for you to come back. And his eyes are upon you. And look at how he reacts. This is a parable. This is, a, this is revealing a spiritual truth. When he was a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion do you realize there are scripture after scripture after scripture that if you will literally, if you get to the point where you need mercy, mercy's always there for you. God's answer is always yes. Well, I've messed up 800 times. Don't care. You get mercy. Isn't that amazing? That's why the Bible says it's the goodness of God that leads us to change. He had compassion on him and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. That sounds a lot like when I draw near to God, he draws near to me. He runs to me, grabs me, and kisses me. Intimacy, instantly. As intimacy as if what I did did not do anything to hinder it. In other words, he had just as much intimacy as he had before he left and went and messed up. So in other words, his behavior was a non-issue. So stop making your behavior an issue. Because if you realize how good God is, that is what's going to change your behavior because you've been given everything that pertains to life and godliness. So that's why, man, the church should be a refuge where there is no judgment. 
except, except we judge ourselves. We all judge ourselves. We don't judge anybody else. Why? Well, because we know God's attitude towards them. You look at somebody that's just blowing it, and you're, you look at them, and all you think is, wow, this is going to be a cool story. Because God's going to just, it's going to be fun watching him just turn it all around for that person. Right? But the father said to his servants, verse 22, let's jump here, bring forth the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet, bring him hither and bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry for this my son was dead and is alive again he was lost but now he's found and they began to be merry verse 29 now his older brother comes in and he's angry because he's like what's up with this he took everything and just, just went out and blew it. And I've been here. I'm doing this and this and this. Have you ever done that? This is why the Bible says, don't be envious of evildoers. Because Satan will sit there and poke you on the shoulder and go, hey, how come you're serving God and everything's going wrong, but other people, look at that person. They're just blowing it and they just have a great life. Well, step number one, first of all, you don't know their life, right? And if they don't know God, they're like grass. They're here for a time and then gone forever. There's a lot more to this life. So his, his older brother says to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve the, you. Neither transgressed I at any time your commandment. Yet you never healed me. You never blessed me. Right? In the story here, you never gave me a kid, the fatted calf, that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this, your son, was come, notice, not my brother, but your son, which has devoured thy living with harlots and has killed for him, you've killed for him the fatted calf, and the father said to his older son, you are ever with me, and all that I have is yours. In other words, son, if you want a ring, go get a ring. If you want the best robe, go get it. If you want a fatted calf, go get it. Have a party. Invite your friend. Let's do it. It's all yours. It's always been yours. That's what this is all about. It's all in your well right now. Don't look at what you think everybody else's well, right? It's in your well, and the word is true, and he is true. The older brother never laid hold of and drew out what was already his. We must draw it out, right? Look at the children of Israel. The children of Israel... They were given the land of Canaan. They still had to go in and possess it. They had to go draw it out. But they said, no, we can't. The walls are too big. The cities, the people are too great. And they died in the wilderness with their inheritance. But then there's Caleb, right? I mean, think of this guy. 
They go into the land of Canaan, and Caleb looks at his buddy Joshua, and he says, listen, Josh, I'm now 85 years old, and I could fight like I could when I was 45. Remember when we were in this land, and I pointed at that mountain and said, that's, that's my mountain, right? Do you know the fiercest tribe was in that mountain, that they, the children of Israel never faced them, but Caleb did. And he looked at Josh and said, Josh, give me the mountain. Josh is like, go for it, dude. And it says, and Caleb took the mountain. Right? Think about that. On top of that mountain, that city that was up there became Calebville. He took it. Why could he take it? Nobody's, nobody could receive Anything, unless it's been given to them by God. And we've been given this. Oh, hear me, church. John chapter 3, verse 27. You should highlight this verse, point arrows all around it. Jesus answered and said, John 3, 27, a man can receive nothing except it be given him from heaven. This word receive is the same Greek word that in Mark chapter 11, verse 24, where it says, what things soever you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. It literally means to seize hold of them. You can't, you can't receive anything through faith that God hasn't given you by his grace. Right? I love that. You can only receive through faith what God has already given you by his grace. You could not believe to receive salvation, healing, prosperity, if God didn't already give it to you. You must draw it out. You must lay hold of it. You must take it to yourself. Here's the truth. Here is the biblical truth, not subject to change. All that God has is yours. Now, that's... Right? Everything. And he's saying, come, draw. Because there's a thirst inside of you. You're not just living on this earth to just get by. We don't want the rapture to happen just to escape what the enemy's doing. Forget that. If as long as I'm on the planet, I'm punching the guy in the face and have a smile on my face, and I'm not going to perspire doing it. I'm going to be at rest. Amen. Oh, you like that? Bam! Oh, that's awesome! Bam! No, actually, he's too... we got to do this. Yes. Right? We want the rapture to happen because we want to see Jesus, not to escape. Just because it's ours doesn't mean we'll enjoy it. See, this is what it looks like. The children of Israel are like, yeah, the land is great, but man, those people are greater than us. See, you might have a big, mean-looking, hairy sickness or disease sitting on your healing, but that healing is yours, and God will take care of what's trying to keep it from you but he's got to get you involved because you have to speak, right? You must take it. I love that. 
See, did you notice when Jesus did that? What did he say to the woman with the issue of blood? Woman, your faith has made you whole, right? So I want to read one more scripture here just to close. Well, okay. You guys have been doing good today. I've been, I've been going a little long. You guys okay? Can you take just a little bit more? If you can't, I'm going to do it anyway. Isaiah 12, and you're going to love your pastor. Look at worshipers are running. Got to get to the stage. That's awesome. Isaiah 12, verse 1 and 2. Look at this. Now this, this is very important that you get this. And in that day you shall say, O Lord, I will praise you. Though you were angry with me, your anger is turned away and you comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. It's the, it's the Hebrew word Yeshua. It means salvation, deliverance, prosperity, victory, security, healing. It means all of those things. God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the, for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. That word song is, the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my praise. Okay? And he has also become my salvation. Notice this is all talking to you about where this person's at. I will trust I will not be afraid. Why? Because you were angry with me, but you're not angry with me anymore. Now you comfort me. You're my everything. You're the God of all mercy. Therefore, verse 3, therefore, because I know you, with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. With joy. I love that. The wells of salvation. We should maybe change the title. Man, there's a well in you. There's wells. It's just this gigantic well. It has everything in it. It's, it's like multiple wells. All the blessings of God are there, but you draw it out. You have to understand, as it's said in the New Testament, you have to see, have revelation knowledge of who he is, and you, have to, you, you draw out with joy. What is the vessel or the bucket that you draw out with? It's faith. What is the attitude of your heart when you're in faith? It's joy. Joy is the manner of how you draw it out. Proverbs 15 in verse 23 says this, A man hath joy by the answer of his mouth. See, the energy of my spirit is faith. And think of it like this, the stronger I develop my spirit through feeding and exercising, feeding it the word and in doing the word, exercising that out, the greater, the greater is the energy of my spirit, the great, that, that makes my faith more effective. One of the greatest indicators of faith is joy. Faith and joy are inseparable. If you're not filled with joy, you're not in faith. There's none of this, you know, I'm just believing God. It's hard. And no, no, it's not hard. 
Faith denotes one's spiritual strength. When you walk into a gym, when you see somebody put four or five 45 plates on a bar on each side and, and they bench press that, you're like, that denotes how strong they are, right? You see some guy, there's four 45 plates, right? That's 405, total weight. And you see some guy with 12, 12 inch biceps laying down, call 911 because he doesn't have the strength for that. But you see some guy that you can tell has been working out a long time. And when he presses that, you're like, wow. Do you know faith denotes one's strength? Do you know you could have 12 inch biceps and you could bench press 10,000 pounds spiritually because of the strength of your spirit? Faith and strength are inseparable. The joy of the Lord is your strength. We always quote that, but that's Nehemiah 8.10. You draw on righteousness, provision, well-being in every area. You draw healing, all of it in joy. Oh, guys, with joy, draw from the wells of salvation. It's all yours. Amen?